Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, Resident Evil 2 Remake on PS4. 20 years. It had been 20 years since that small Midwestern town of Raccoon City had fallen to the ravening hordes of the undead. It was then in 2015 that Capcom, through a translated video featuring producer Yoshiaki Hirabayashi, wearing a shirt proclaiming, We Do It, and after years of fan request, announced that we would once again return to that doomed burg when RE2 would receive the full remake treatment. So how did it do, and did we survive? Let's find out with 2019's Resident Evil 2 Remake. Now, I should warn you, dear listener, I'm a huge fan of the original game. And I did promise in my review of the original game so long ago that we would get here. Ta-da! Here we are. It may be my all-time favorite game, for how many games I and times I played it over and over again. But of course, as time and consoles moved on, the copy of that game was sold along with the console upon which I played it to fund a new console generation and pay bills. So RE2 Original Recipe had to be filed away in the archives of my memories, along with so many other games that brought me joy. That is just a fact of life. But as time moved on and generations changed, many who were there in the day and those who came after wanted to see many games brought back with modern controls and a fresh coat of paint. We still do. So when Capcom remade the first Resident Evil, originally released in 1996, on the GameCube in 2002, Many figured that Resident Evil 2 would soon be on the way as a remake. But that didn't happen. Capcom was too busy with Resident Evil 4, then 5, then 6, and so on. With every year that followed, hopes dimmed for an RE2 remake. But after Shinji Mikami departed to form Tango Gameworks, and decades of pushing by Hideki Kamiya, director of the original game, to make the remake RE2 go forward, here we are. Updates to fit with a more modern Resident Evil style, as well as modern action and horror game styles, especially in the wake of Resident Evil 4, would have to be made, of course. There would also be changes to the plot, pacing, atmosphere, and character designs, bringing the main players up from low-polygon models to basing so many of the characters and models and those with model good looks. Really Hollywooding up this shit in here, Capcom. I kid. It is just how the industry works. Pretty people sell things and we buy them. I have reviewed the original on this show before, and those interested can go back to the show archive and listen to it. Please do. I'm quite pleased with that episode. But to get everyone on the same page, I'll briefly recap the plot here. So, in 1998, a few months after the Raccoon City Stars Alpha Team came back from an overnight rescue mission into the Arclay Mountains to find and recover their Beta Team, or B Team, after they fell into radio silence, only a bare handful of survivors returned screaming about monsters and zombies in a deserted mansion no one knew existed in the hills above the city, and that Umbrella, the massive multinational pharmaceutical company, was at the core of it all. Umbrella 
turned all of its employees into zombies, and that the star's commanding officer, Albert Wesker, was actually an Umbrella employee who was filming the team's fight for survival for live battle footage. Well, when the, they tried to take these accusations into a town where more than 50% of the city works for Umbrella, either overtly or covertly, you can guess that the survivors were shut down quickly. But you see, in the background, a certain scientist named William Birkin, the head of viral development at Umbrella's Raccoon City Division, and his wife Annette, had been adjusting the T-virus into the G-virus, making it hardier and more virulent. But very stupidly, decides to take and steal it for himself and hold his bosses for ransom with it. Needless to say, a company that has no qualms about creating a viral weapon of war also has no qualms about having a lethal mercenary force on staff, which they send to take the G-Virus back. William resists, and one of the rookie team members shoots him just enough to not kill him immediately, and the remaining team takes the virus, and then William injects himself with the dregs of said virus. From this point, shit goes down, where William is mutating out of control, the virus gets loose in the city itself thanks to rats, and within a week, a city of 10,000-plus citizens is reduced to a handful of desperate survivors trying to get out of the city, or hoping for rescue as the hordes of flesh-munching undead that used to be their family, friends, and neighbors stalk the streets. Civil order and armed responses has failed, and Umbrella will do anything to cover its tracks. Okay, how's that for a plot wrap-up? Into this mix, we get our two playable characters. Rookie cop Leanne S. Kennedy, and Claire Redfield, sister of the survivor of the first RE game, Chris Redfield. Now, from this point, I will be referencing everything from the remake standpoint, not the original. I'll come back to that later. Before we meet Leon and Claire, we get to see an incident that is inciting. On a dark and stormy night, into frame comes a middle-aged long-haul truck driver, eating what must be the world's largest egg and dog shipment puffin, trying to find his way through the driving rain and listening to a late-night Art Bell-style kook phone-in show while he is miles from nowhere and hauling a tanker of gasoline. In the dark, he accidentally hits a woman who stumbled into the road. Then when he gets out, wondering what to do as he had just technically committed vehicular manslaughter, the woman rises, showing that she was already dead when she was hit. From here, we move to either Claire or Leon, depending on who you picked. Although the canon story is Claire first and then Leon, but we'll get back to that, too. And they investigate a gas station on the way into town. Leon is here because he was to start a week ago, but got a cryptic message to stay away, which he feels he can no longer do. And for Claire, she is looking for her brother who has disappeared. They discover a sheriff inside the store trying to hold a zombie at bay but by interrupting him, he gets eaten. So that shit is on Leon or Claire. But then whoever your character is must try and get out of the store quickly as zombies swarm them. And the other character breaks down the store's front door to save your main character. Where the two drive off into the sheriff's car, idling as it was, and escape into the city. Soon they discover a dead city obviously in the wake of some sort of anarchic collapse and devoid of life, heading for the police department. 
When they stop at a roadblock, the car is attacked by zombies and they cannot get out. And one of them realizes they are about to be hit by a semi-truck driven by our ill-fated trucker, who is dying from the bite he got from the dead woman. And the two try to get away. They don't really. And they are hit by the semi, which then explodes and separates the two of them. One of them comes in through the front door of the police station, explores and is attacked by zombies, only to be saved by a slowly dying Marvin Branagh, police lieutenant and pretty much last surviving member of the Raccoon City Police Department. And the other has to come in by the back door, being led in by the first character. From here, the characters go their separate ways, meeting sketchy FBI investigator Ada Wong or child survivor Sherry Birkin, daughter of the umbrella scientist Birkins, gets attacked by William Birkin at his various stages of mutation, meets some real human pieces of shit in Chief Brian Irons, Ben Bertolucci, and Annette Birkin herself, slide through the city's way, overdone sewers, and eventually end up within the massive hive facility beneath Raccoon City, where this nightmare began, and where the fall of Raccoon City was engineered. And of course, we cannot forget the real star of Resident Evil 2 Remake, the one, the only, the tower of power with the permanent glower, Mr. X, cause he gonna give it to you. But after it's all said and done, only Cleon, Claire, and Sherry walk away into the clear morning light the next day, covered in blood and literal shit, trying to flag down a passing trucker who gives them the finger as he drives by at speed. I wish I could say I was making a bad joke, but that really is what happens. Holy shit. Look, I would say spoilers, but again, this is a remake of a 20-year-old game. I was 21 when the original came out, and I sure as shit am not going to play the game of oopsie spoilers at my age now. Sorry for the listeners who were born that year or after who never played the original, but look, we live in the age of YouTube and shit. You can find someone online who played the original copy and the current remake with a capture card, and it exists for you to be spoiled by. So if you want a gatekeep, don't. Suck it up and deal with it. So the plot itself really does not differ from the original very much, perhaps being tightened up in places like a middle-aged dude going to the gym, meaning the flab will still be there because you got old fuckers, but it won't be as bad or as noticeable. But the big changes come from the gameplay and revamping of the set pieces. The biggest changes right away are turning Raccoon City Police Station into a real house of horrors, upping the chaos, gore, and sense of darkness and foreboding from the original, as they were kind of couldn't do that back then. A lot of the dumb but harmlessly silly puzzles were done away with to make the sense of urgency greater, and goddamn, these zombies are harder to kill. Way harder, even on normal difficulty, where they suck up bullets like a hoover and don't truly go down unless you can split their skulls open with a lucky shot or a close-up shotgun blast. Also, the police department used to be a maze in the original, but now it is very easy to traverse and more circular in approach. The reason for this is the decision they made for Mr. X. Yep, X was kind of a showpiece boss fight in the original game, showing up at designated points to menace the players but lost after a screen or two. Oh boy, Capcom really changed their minds on this and doubled the fuck down on him. X has been turned into a true horror, 
a literal unstoppable pursuer boss that you need to flee from once he's introduced, who will hunt you down across the police station, unless you can juke him and lose him for a bit. X is not a perfect predator, however. He cannot go into designated safe rooms, which are listed as safe from him, or the star's office for some fucking reason. I think Capcom did it to give you a chance to get your nerves in order after being chased, or feel that someplace is safe. But I do call that a misstep in this game. I and many players have made a game out of playing peekaboo, I'm not touching you, with X right at the door of a save room, where no matter how much he's chasing or about to club you with his massive fists, he'll stop dead and turn away like he has suddenly gotten shy and embarrassed. Who fucking knows? Now you will lose X after you descend into the sewers, for a bit or permanently, depending on who you pick to play. But goddamn, if he doesn't make the first half of the game a pants-filling experience. The sewers themselves are okay, and Leon will have a cinematic boss chase Claire will not, but they are at least looking grimy and, well, like a raw sewage depository that hides a cable car to the secret lab under the city. They don't stay long enough to overstay their welcome, but it does come with the puzzle I hated most from the original game, the chess piece door keys, in which you will have to collect six chess pieces to unlock a magnetically sealed door to advance. The reason for this is as flimsy as grandma's underwear. From a note saying Umbrella third party hired some sort of goofy asshole locksmith who made these keys as a playful take on private security. The puzzle is not hard to figure out, but it stands out like a sore thumb in an otherwise snappy survival horror title. And of course, the lab itself is pared down, cleaned up, enemies are changed to make more sense, and still involves killing a giant plant to get a key. I'm sad that I, they got rid of the only true out-of-place mini-boss from the first game, the giant killer Moth, because that bit of late-game silliness could have used an update into this remake, maybe into a real scare, which by the lab, the scares have mostly died off, unlike its undead citizens. Rest in peace, mutant moth. The game, then, has its penultimate fight with William, who is pretty much a four-armed ogre now, fighting it out with Leon, or, well, more like, and as. You'll have to fight this out no matter who you play with, Claire, in a server room, where he literally tears up the environment and throws it at you, while you shoot him in his only vulnerable spot, his wobbly, jelly-jiggle eyes. From there, the game has a different boss depending on who you are playing. X for Leon on an elevator going down, Birkin on a different elevator for Claire going up, to start the escape train sequence. And each boss gets a gimmick weapon to defeat it. Classic rocket launcher flavor, or new and improved minigun flavor. And the train escape ends with the second player uh, fighting Birkin one final time, right before the whole thing goes nuclear and detonates. Once our heroes have run away, of course. Man, I know that sounds like a shit play-by-play, -play, but I love this stuff. I love camp. I couldn't give a shit less if something takes itself seriously. In fact, it's more than likely to turn me off about a game. We don't come to Resident Evil for the story, but honestly, Capcom really did me and the fans of this ridiculous series proud not just in revamping of how Resident Evil 2 Remake plays, but in some good quality-of-life updates. Making it an over-the-shoulder claustrophobic experience, much like its own Resident Evil 4 and all the games that took inspiration from it, 
and both Leon and Claire finding multiple hip pouches to expand their inventory over time rather than locking characters into a six-slot inventory screen is a great help and makes the versatility of the game huge. There are new guns to play with depending on who you are, from the simple 9mm to the shotgun and magnum combo to different 9mm guns, laser sights, a 45 Colt, both 1911 brand and Honest to Christ Wild West revolver, Claire's grenade launcher, Leon's upgradable magnum shoot shotgun, and 10 inch 50 caliber barrel, both so American we all jizzed red, white, and blue afterward. Uh, see your doctor if this actually happens to you, kids and a Mac 11 submachine gun, as well as flashbangs and grenades. Unfortunately, Claire's hunting crossbow didn't make the cut this time around, but there's always code Veronica remake. <laughs> Fuck, who am I kidding? Even I couldn't take that seriously. It's just so slick and smooth of a game that, yeah, the original is still there to be played, and you can play both without either overlapping each other. But the quality of life upgrades just give remake an edge, that only the thickest of skulls could not accept. Plus, there are escape weapons, first introduced in Resident Evil 1 Remake back in 2002, that can help you if you get grabbed, but do not get in the way. I could gush, but let's go on. Yes, sadly you do essentially replay the same areas and boss fights on both campaigns, which could have been done differently, but I get it. There were only so many assets to go around, and I don't think it is too egregious unless you have a particularly nasty thorn and hot sauce covered stick up your ass. What do the critics, you know, that group of flaccid, useless hangers-on in the entertainment industry, think of the remake? Well, holy shit, they fell all over themselves to give this game 9 out of 10 scores. Some po did point out the flaws, but overall consensus was similar to mine. Not perfect, but that hardly matters. It was overall an excellent remake. It sold over 3 million in its first week, and current lifetime sales are over 11 million units. I am very much skeptical of critics, and I do hate to agree with them, but the numbers speak for themselves, folks. If you don't own a copy, or haven't at least played the first few minutes for yourselves, then correct that. This was a certified banger. And this is one of the times where it is more than just me saying it. There are even a few fun things that Resident Evil 2 Remake got. The Ghost Survivors, three tough and timed what-if campaigns revolving around some side characters from the main game. Robert Kendo, the gun shop owner, the last survivor of the Umbrella Mercenary team, and the Mayor's Daughter, who by the time we meet her is already a blue corpse in Chief Iron's slab in his secret taxidermy slash torture porn dungeon that you can play through once the main game is done. And two nods to the game that would follow this one, Resident Evil 3 Remake, where you can hear Nemesis in a certain spot during the RE2 Remake demo, and a letter from Kendo, uh, to Kendo from Jill was later added to the game post-RE3R release. So it's a lot. If by now it hasn't come through, I absolutely love this game. I am still an unabashed, happy Resident Evil fan after all this time. And Resident Evil 2 Remake was everything in a remake I could have wanted, outside of the recent Dead Space and Resident Evil 4 remakes. I never said this would be an unbiased review, warts and all. 
Of course there are warts, but thankfully most of them are on the monsters, and not of the gameplay or story itself. And as I said, if you were expecting Shakespeare is read by Werner Herzog in this game, well, you've come to the wrong place, my friends. I've said before that I am much more of a fan of Leon and Claire than I ever was of Chris or Jill, who have the majority support in the RE fan community. But I'm older now, and seeing these characters remade feels more like rooting for my kids to make it out of an impossible situation than as friends as I did so long ago. RE2 was the game that made me want to stick with this franchise, despite its years and changes and bullshit because you can't have a game series going on for over 20 years without there being a metric ton of bullshit. Because I loved it so much. RE2 Remake has not diminished my feelings or thoughts, even if the two games are only moderately connected, mostly by setting, general theme, and by developer. The tweaks and upgrades that were needed, and I don't think it would have been done as well as a one-for-one one remake, especially with tank controls. I know there are those who feel that this is a too slow burn in an age of fast-paced action, a time we could not go back to, but fuck off with that. Slow burn is what was needed, and I reiterate, this is Resident Evil at one of its best moments. We'll talk about the other two best moments at a later date. There are no more words I could really expand on in this game. I love this remake. I love the original still. I cannot recommend it enough. It is one of those times where a remake was absolutely needed and worth every penny, as opposed to, say, some other companies who feel their misery guts games from far less time in the past needed an uprezzed game for extra cash. The charm is on full display despite its detractions. And yeah, it's not like me to fanboy out on a game, but fuck you. I get to do this so rarely, and it's my show, so why not? I don't feel like giving an itemized list of gripes only to turn around and go, yeah, I had fun, to make my point valid. Just play it. Just enjoy it. Life is fleeting enough, and I've rightfully pissed on enough classics to not give out a little joy to balance the scales. Resident Evil 2 Remake we do it indeed. Thank you for listening. Deleted Saves would like to thank Brad, Keith Gasper, and Mass Llama for being patrons of the show. If you would like to become a patron of the show, please go to patreon.com and check out Deleted Saves podcast. All donations go directly towards maintaining the show itself. Thank you.